Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hi, I'm Christy Bjorkman, and you're listening to The Eurotrip. This is The Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast, warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So hello everybody and welcome to this brand new episode of the Eurotrip. It's not Wednesday, it's Monday, which means it's a bonus episode of this Eurovision podcast. And a bonus episode means we've been doing something extra special for you this week. And, and when I say we, what I actually mean is Rob, because Rob, you have been in conversation with a pretty big name in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, now regular listeners to the podcast may know that on the last episode, we said, and I I think this is right, we said, oh, there's no bonus episodes or anything like that. Don't worry about that. No, no, no. Uh, There is a bonus episode and it's here right now. This is what you're listening to, uh, which gives you a little insight into the fact that this uh, came quite suddenly. uh, A message dropped into my email inbox at the very end of the week and I couldn't quite believe my eyes because... This bonus episode is almost an hour-long conversation with Krista Bjorkman, Mr. Sweden himself. So, Melfest Monday listeners, if you're here with us for this bonus episode, this is one for you. Eurovision fans, this is one for you. Honestly, we cover all sorts in this, all from the comfort of Krista's uh, study, I think it's safe to say. Uh, Obviously, he was in the study. I wasn't. I was on the other end of a Zoom call because... Yeah, COVID and that, but oh, I cannot tell you how much fun I had doing this interview. This, honestly, if you're listening at home, is a tremendous listening. I had the uh, the, the pleasure of actually watching it back, and both Rob and Krista seemed to have a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable time. I, I, I'm a bit jealous I didn't get the invite, I must admit, but never mind, we'll put that to, to one side for now. Uh, but as Rob says, this conversation goes across Everything to do with Krista, to do with Melody Festivalen, to do with the Eurovision Song Contest, and a little insight into what's to come from Krista now that he has left SVT in Sweden. Yeah, that's right. I had two pages of notes and questions that I wanted to cover with Krista. I, I said to James, I was like, I don't know how long we can get with him. I'm sure it won't be very long, so I'll get through as many as I can. Yeah. Almost an hour of his time I had, which is remarkable 
given everything that he's got on his plate at the moment. Um, stay tuned, I mean, for all of it, but especially later on. One heck of an insight into the uh, Ukrainian organisation of the 2017 Eurovision Song Contest. There are plenty of stories involved with that that you are going to want to stick around for. But, yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy, take yourself on a long walk and listen to this for the next hour or so because you will not regret it. And as ever, James, if people want to get in touch, where can they go? They can head over to our Twitter, our Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. We always love to hear what you think about the podcast itself. Or you can email us as well if your message is particularly lengthy. Uh, We are hello at EurotripPodcast.com. That's right. So please do get in touch. Let us know what you think about this because I think you're going to have lots of thoughts after what you're about to hear. But I started the interview with Krista by asking how he feels a week on from Melfest 2021. This is the Eurotrip. Well, first of all, it, it was a very challenging season, obviously, because this is the first time in 20 years we're not on tour, we're not in arenas, and we had to basically do a completely new show, uh, which is built upon a studio uh, instead of arena, which is totally different. And it's we even had to ask, you know, retired colleagues you know that how do you do that how do you how do you how do you not lose energy and and you know flow when when you can't really cut yourself from the end of an act over the audience and 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 they gave me some really really good advice and it took us i would say the first show was like Okay, work in progress. Uh, let's tighten here. Let's do this. And then from then on, it, it was quite smooth. And so given the, uh, the, the um, circumstances, I would say I am extremely pleased with the outcome of the shows itself as a TV producer. When it comes to the contest, uh, the, the result has been remarkable. I mean, on Sunday, the day after the grand final, 24 of our 28 entries were on top 50 of Spotify, which is unheard of. And obviously, we do realize that part of this is due to the pandemic, because everybody was very eager to enter, even those artists that, you know, have already said, you know, not anymore, let's not, you know, but but people really wanted to to join the party and to to actually be part of it because they have been in such a long period of no work so that helps obviously uh, but but this also i think the, the composers were uh, very eager as well i mean we had really good songs we had a huge variety to choose from and we, we could actually find good songs in a lot of different genres as well. So, I mean, the outcome of, of the commercial outcome is fantastic. I mean, there's nothing we can say about that. And then finally, uh, to me, uh, it was uh, a, a sort of dream come true scenario in the end, because the two that stood there in the end, Eric Saade and Tussa, were for me the two most compatible uh, songs for the Eurovision. Very different, uh, where one was very different, very arty, very, but fantastic song and performer with the, which is, which is it's always a, you know, story. You have to tell a story. And being 10 years since he won as a kid, and then came back as a, you know, a man, a full-grown artist uh, with a very cool, that would have been great. Tusa, fantastic. He's at the beginning of his journey. He's 19. Uh, uh, he, he won Idol last. Uh, so those two options were like, all right, whatever. You know, it, it, was, it was like a gift. Tusa or Erik? Nu ska det avgöras. Tusse får. Nittiosex poäng. Vilket betyder att Tusse har vunnit Melodifestivalen 2021. 
Yeah, it was a win-win scenario, wasn't it, for you at the end? There? Yes. It really, really was. Yes, absolutely. Was, was there anything that surprised you about some of the songs and the success of some of the songs? Because I think as, a, as an international uh, fan and viewer, we were maybe surprised that an artist like Clara Klingenstrom did so well this year, for example. Yeah, I, I think she surprised everyone. Uh, that, that type of instant success is very unusual especially in that genre swedish pop um you know sort of singer songwriter pop uh and they stick i mean once it happens this this will be a classic this song we will live with this song for a long long time uh and and they are very important that they happen because they act, they cling to people. They they stay in our minds for for as I said a long time, and and those are very very important for for the for the festival over a long period of time. We need those. We need songs like that one, Min Shalik, you know those those that actually become classics. And uh, it was quite a while ago since we had one. So Snella Snella, I would say, is the last one that actually had that potential and uh, be, to become a classic in Swedish. So very good. Excellent. Do you think a, a Swedish language song will be able to win Melody Festival again? Or are, as you've said there, you know, it's great to have them and great to see them do well, but but maybe they wouldn't ever be able to get kind of the ultimate win? Yeah, well, I mean, in the beginning of this season, uh, Danny was surely there. He was a contender. It faded off a little bit in the competition because it was such a fierce year. But that 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 could have been possible. He could have won. Uh, it's a really good song, fantastic artist. And that would also be a song that we probably wouldn't translate. Uh, so, yeah. I believe it can happen again. How important is it that Tusa won? For, for a multitude of reasons, but, but especially for the message behind that song and for Tusa's own personal story as well. Well, I mean, the story and the timing is usually everything. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it enhances an already good song and a good singer. Uh, so it, you know, it, it is the full package in a way that competes. And if there is a story to tell, it adds to everything. And I would say that the, the timing is correct. It's good. It's not, it's not, it doesn't write it on your face, if you know what I mean. It's not, it's not like, it's not like saying Brandenburger tour after the fall of the Berlin War. That, that, that was a bit over, over stating it, but it is, it is a good timing for it. And I believe him. I believe every word he says. And when he, when he sings pain in, in the second verse, you can feel it. It, it. it really, really, you can feel his pain. And, and I believe him and when he sings. And that's a great gift he has. So, I mean, from our point of view, uh, it's an excellent selection. It's a, it's a really solid, good composition. He's a great singer. Uh, so, all good. There's something so infectious about his personality as well, isn't there? We we were speaking to Linnea Deb on our podcast and she said that, you know, Tusa almost didn't get to record voices because he was doing his driving test. You know, he, he's just such a normal young man who has yeah. now the world at his feet, doesn't he? Yeah. He he's uh, he. We had a meeting on Monday with him where we, you know, lined out what's what's coming next and what's going to happen, and he was, oh, I, and I have a test tomorrow, um, school. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> hope you make it. <laughs> it's it, it's it's a bizarre situation for him being in a bit like what France had um, some years ago. He was also still in school. Well, it went well in 2016 for France, so fingers crossed yeah. it does exactly the same thing for Tusa. Yeah, yeah. No, but he has the potential to get a good position for us, which is nice. Now, one thing we, we have all loved watching as well about this year is, you know, the multitude of different hosts that we had. 
And the one constant throughout all of that was, of course, yourself. Now, how different, yeah. how different did that make the whole thing for you this year? Because you hosting the show, you know, is not something we've seen before. Did that make you more nervous? Yes, absolutely. It was horrible. I mean, to be honest, uh, I mean, I stepped back behind the camera a long time ago and I've enjoyed being there. And the only reason why I said yes to this was because they, their, their arguments were strong and they, they sold it to me, not from my um, artistic point of view. They sold it to me as the TV producer I am. So they were like, okay, look at it this way. We change everything. It's a new, completely new program. It's built differently. There's no audience. And all these changes will be very confusing or could be very confusing to the viewers. We need a constant. We need someone that they trust, that they can rely on, and that they believe in in this forum. And that person is you. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you. And, and, and I, I couldn't argue against it because there, I, I tried a few names and they were like, no, not good enough. And, and in the end, I, was, I, I knew when they said it, I knew they were right. And it's like, but it was awful, awfully nervous all the time for six weeks. And, but now it's done and I survived, which is good. We uh, we heard whisper that you you actually did a little performance in the was it the dress rehearsal of the the final where you performed during the where we would normally have heard the the winner's song. Oh yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, the dress rehearsal on Friday night. They surprised me. Uh, the whole team surprised me by announcing my name as the winner, and they started playing my song from '92. So I I just had to you know do it, and they were all. The whole team was in front of the stage and they used all the cameras and all the lights and it was just mayhem. And, and they made a really, really crazy video where, you know, the lights went like all over the place and the cameras were, they were cutting like crazy. And, uh, well, I, I have a feeling I, I will get to see that recording at some point. They kept it from me for now, but, and I didn't see all this. I obviously saw all the cameramen all over the place, and I'm like, God, they use all of them. Why? And and I saw the light flickering, but but I still had to concentrate on the song, so I I didn't really take it in. But it, it must look really, really, really funny. Well, maybe that'll be part of your leaving gift. You'll finally get the video. <laughs> I have a feeling, yes. I'll I'll post it on Instagram for sure. <laughs> Fantastic! Oh, we can't wait to see it. <laughs> now. Now, I said there, you know, it, it, it may be part of your leaving gift because, of course, we all know that, that 2021 is the year that you, you step away from, from everything in, involving Sweden. How, how do you look back at your time? Because we've had two wins. We've had Sweden becoming a Eurovision powerhouse. Do you have any regrets? Is that possible, given that the time period has been so successful? Well, I mean, the only regret I could have is, I mean, we've the the... The brand we've built in Sweden, I would say, follow basically exactly our timelines. You know, we first get the music relevant to for the outside world, not only for, for the TV show. Then to make it create a family um, institution rather than a TV show. I make it, you know, try to make it to something bigger than just a TV show. So it becomes... A, part of our national identity which is like big uh <laughs> to to even say but we've we've done that and the only thing i would say i would have wished i would have been quicker on grasping was how what keys to use to get a good result in eurovision i mean we had five really dark years from 2005 to 2010 with one exception of Carola in between there but it was like and we didn't understand we, we were like it's a good song it's a good artist 
why do we bomb in the Eurovision? We just couldn't figure it out. And we looked at all these new countries that had come in from the old Eastern countries, and they were like flavorful and colorful and spicy. And, you know, it was like huge uh, emotions. And we, we stood there with our icy cold, minimalistic <laughs> Swedish output. And it's like, we, we just couldn't grasp it. And then uh, after 2010, we sat down and said, you know, we just have to go all in on the act. We just have to stop having the same people as backup singers and dancers, to, you know, and, and hand pick something that enhances the artist. Is it a young artist? Have young people surround them so that everything fits and it's like glue, you know? So the change was instant. And then obviously we decided to, to have international juries in 2011, full out, only international juries and, and the people voting 50-50. And since then, we, I think we have an average of 485 or something in the Eurovision, which is like, you know, that's like UK in the 60s. <laughs> it, it really worked. But I wish maybe if I would have been stronger, I would have pushed this through SVT sooner. But it was a very, it, it, this is a gigantic shift that, you know, you, you can't really move it very much. You know, you, it takes time to turn huge ship and and this is that's what this is it's it's a monster that you really have to move very carefully you know so um but that i i would say that's it that that's the sort of the five dark years in eurovision that there's sort of a hmm, they're there (laughs) but given everything that as you say that has come over the last 10 years they they must feel like so long ago now it is long ago, and, and but I, but I can I, I can remember the frustration of not understanding, you know. Of course, of course. Now, now, one question that I'm sure many people would like to know the answer to is is how actually did you make that transition from being the Swedish artist in 1992 to then going on to being so heavily involved in Melody Festival and then everything that evolved into? Um, I would say that the first three years, 2002, three and four, were, uh, were my transition period. And it came to a point where there, there was so much uh, in the media about my position in the show versus my position in a record company or in touring with artists that showed up in the con- contest. And, and it, be- it just became uh, impossible to deal with uh, because it it would hurt the brand in the end, you know, be, because of the if there were talk about cheating and favorism, and only my friends were allowed in the contest. And in the end, uh, SVT uh, and I decided together that I would not be an artist, not an active artist. I mean, I I do the odd concert once in a while but more it's more like a hobby and and a pop-up situation um and they also took full responsibility for me because this was a project before and up to i think 2006 it was something that started in september and ended in in march so and, and obviously i have to live so, so that was my, my point to them that, okay, but what if I can't tour in the summer, you know, somebody's got to feed me. And, and also the project had grown already that much that it was, uh, it was okay to actually claim that, okay, one person full-time on a yearly basis is actually needed for this project. And so they took full, full responsibility for me from, from then on which meant that I didn't have to worry about, you know, paying my rent in the summer. So, so that was sort of the turning point when, when, when that was decided. So just fill in, the, fill in the gap for us. So you, of course, were, were an artist and then 
how heavily were you involved in in SVT in terms of getting to where you got to in say 2002 you know what were you doing in the in the late 90s for example that that got you into a position to take on this role well i i think that most of or the biggest reason why they actually contacted me was that i was very outspoken about the show i i even wrote for a newspaper in connection with every Melody Festival and and Eurovision, uh, one of the tabloids where I gave points and I, I, you know, wrote chronicles, is that what you say? Yeah. Uh, About what it was and how good or bad it was. And and my, I, I always came back to one point, which was how is it possible that 10 songs cannot be relevant? to an audience outside of this TV program because it didn't sell any records. It wasn't played on radio. And it was like, why? Why is it one genre only? And why do you choose a genre that hardly even exists outside of this TV show? So that was my first, um, and and one of the the things that was mentioned to me that, you know, now is your chance to change this. But the first year, basically, they wanted my phone book. They wanted me to find the artist, 32 artists instead of 10. And they knew that I had that contact net network. So uh, I think it was a combination of those two. But I think that mostly the first year, it was for me to find 32 artists. Year two when we realized that, okay, this is a format that might work for a long time and we, uh, if we develop it right. And that's when we actually could put down on, in a plan, okay, what are we aiming for? Okay, we're gonna make this the biggest entertainment show in Sweden. We're gonna make it a, like a hit platform in different genres. And we will look at all different radio stations and make sure that each one of them can find a favorite so that we would be, you know, spread all over the, the airplay room. So, so it, it, it came gradually. Uh, but in the beginning, it was definitely my phone book and my, my openness about that it needed a change. Of course, when it comes to standout moments during your, your position in during your role, of course, there were the wins for for Lorene and, and for Mons in 2015. But are there any others that really stand out? I, w- I was interested to hear in your uh, Instagram live on the on the Melody Festival and Instagram last week. You know, you mentioned the Ark in 2007 and just getting them to do Melody Festival and then getting them to Eurovision. You know, that was a big moment for you. Yeah, I, I could I could easily go down to five. You mentioned two already, uh, which are the wins, obviously. But the first one, Aphrodite, was absolutely a major turning point because it was the first hit song from our contest, plus Mendes, who came second that year. Those two opened the doors to commercial radio because those two songs became instant hits and were the first two songs ever in our history to be played on every radio channel. So already there, we broke a taboo, which was extremely important for the channel to trust, you know, to, to, to put an effort into continuing with this new format. Uh, so that one was very important. Then it was the arc. And then it is actually in a way even more Eric Saade in 11 than Lorien, because Lorien is sort of a payoff of Eric. Eric was the turning point. He was the answer we were waiting for. After five dark years, we changed a lot of things. And then he came third in Düsseldorf. And it was like such a relief. And we knew we were onto something. We knew we were on a good path and that we had figured out a few keys to somewhere better. So actually, I would add 
Eric as well, um, because that one opened up for Lorien, and we we were full of of confidence when we went into 2012. Do you think now it's actually very difficult for Sweden because is there an argument that actually Swedish entries are judged by a different criteria than a song from another country? You know, is the bar so much higher for Sweden? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it is increasingly more difficult for us to... to but I... I this is exactly the same situation that UK were in in the 70s and 60s and 70s, I should say, because you were in your own league all the time. And I, I mean, I waited eagerly every year to hear the new hit song from UK. And I believe you have something like 15 or 17 second places. And I would say at least half of those, at least half of those, you should have won, but you weren't allowed to win. And, and that was a feeling, I, I mean, I grew up with this and, and we were at that point so far away from being anywhere near that. So it, there, it was no, you know, competition situation in, in mentally. It was just joy to, to experience whatever came from the UK. You know, it's like bliss, you know, wow. Every year they deliver. And of course, Cliff Richard should have won. The new Seeker should have won. And, you know, I can just continue and continue. I mean, uh, but, but the fact was that the juries at that time would not allow that to happen. Be maybe they're right. Maybe it, it, it should be like that because if one country w wins all the time, uh, maybe it's the death for the contest. So maybe there's, there is something good in it, but it's not fair. It was not fair to the UK. And uh, it's, of course, never fair if you... I mean, in, in sports, it is the result. And, you know, whoever runs fastest wins. Just what you've said there, then. Do you think that the juries have, have prevented wins that Sweden could have had? No. no. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that I can, I can feel it yeah. from the fans. No, no, no. I, I, no, no way. I, the juries have treated us extremely well. I mean, we're always, uh, you know, handled uh, very fairly. But, but uh, the fans, they are very open about that they do not really want us to be too good. We've already talked about you turning Sweden into a powerhouse and you've actually just mentioned it there, the United Kingdom. And you said last week that you wished the BBC had made contact with you. Do you believe their poor run can be turned around? Absolutely. If we could do it, anyone can do it. I mean, we, we had huge problems in the 90s with this competition. I mean, seriously. Luckily for me, I competed in the 90s so I could win. But uh, it, it it's... It's funny when you look at it. it it's so easy to, to lose grip of it. You, you, you know, you think you have it. You think you understand it. But then for some reason, you, you take a detour somewhere and, and you're on that road and you believe that's the right one, but you should really be here. So it's, I, I, I believe if they could only find someone who is so passionate about it, and understands it and I, I really really wish in my heart that, that it would be a, a British person obviously because that's much better who knows the market the music market you know inside and out and can and can reach out to the right uh, people and, and and the right composers and, and uh, also managements and, and record labels but of course it's doable you just have to accept it as a good platform. You, you cannot continue to mock it because that will never open up for something serious. So, uh, and, and this is something that we've talked a lot about with Edward, for example, who is a, a huge fan of the Eurovision and that I've worked with very closely 
for many years now. And he, the balance he has in commenting is exactly where it should be. It's yes, he's funny, but he never ridicules the competition. He never questions uh, the trustworthiness of the result or uh, he, he explains, you know, when people vote for a neighbor, he explains, this is quite natural. It happens most of the time that the culture is obviously basically the same and that the Balkan votes for each other. Yeah, well, they have the same language and the same artists. It's, it, it's natural. I mean, you cannot avoid that, but to win, you need everyone. You cannot win from one region. You can only win if you're really good. You know, so it's, 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 yes, this competition has its inbuilt problems, absolutely. Uh, but the juries are there to even that out and to make sure that, you know, the result, and if you look at it over the last, I don't know, 10 years, I would say the winners are usually one of the three, two, five that could do it. Usually it's down in the end to three possible ones. And you could have accepted any of the three. Like in 15, for example, Russia had a fantastic song and a fantastic singer. The three boys from Italy, we would have accepted that as well. In the end, Mons was a little bit stronger somewhere. But it was, you know, you just have to accept it. You, you, you need a little luck. You need a little something, timing, whatever it is. And an explicit performance when it counts the most. But um, I would say that the, the system right now is, is as fair as it can get. We um, we had the BBC's assistant head of delegation, Lee Smithurst, on the podcast, and he was talking about a real shift from from the BBC, especially in 2020 and now, of course, 2021 with the, the deal with BMG, the record label and, and internally selecting an artist. Do you think do you think from your expertise that that is a better way to go? You know, that is almost starting on the on the right road, if that makes sense. If you have good people, yes. Um, and you, I, I believe any way is good as long as the people are the right people running it. Uh, when it, it puts even more um, pressure on the people involved when there's so few people involved in deciding. Uh, but if you have a good label and if you have a good A&R who understands what this is, I believe it can be as good. The only thing that you miss out on is the possibility for the people to be involved and to, to sort of commit to, to the, the song and the artist because it's just presented to you as a fact. So, there, it, but it's, it's another route and it's a good one. I mean, it's proved to be good in, in so many countries over the years. Uh, the question is, can you, can you be persistent? Uh, we, I don't know that. I, have, I, haven't, I don't know if we have that result from any country. I guess Azerbaijan maybe has had internal selections all the way. They've been fairly consistent in having good results since they started. But then their their winner, uh, you know, when when Ellen Nikki won, they had been part of a selection show together, hadn't they? So, yes, they did. Actually, they did that. They've been going back and forth a bit, hmm. like Ukraine and Russia, actually. So I don't know if we have a country that has only had sele uh, internal selection who's made good results over a period of ten years. I don't know if, if that exists. We have to dig into that. <laughs> Away from from obviously your experiences with with Sweden, is there is there any other countries that you really admire? You know, you feel like they get Eurovision and they do Eurovision properly. Well, I mean, I can 
uh, I can, in a way, envy Italy, who actually get a song that has already won a contest, another contest, which has another base. And is, I mean, actually, Sanremo is sort of the, the mother of, of all competition because that came before Eurovision even. So, and they've had really solid results since they came back. And they have very high quality standards in Sanremo, which obviously gives them already from the start uh, a really good entry. Uh, so that that would be one that I, I I'm really impressed with what they've done since they came back. Uh, but then over the years, I would say that I mean, with exception for a few fatal uh, <laughs> mistakes, I would say both Ukraine and Russia have done really well. Um, yeah, there, there's a few. I, I, I think Norway is doing a really good job as well. Uh, they, they've had also very solid results in the last 10 years. Are, are there any countries that you think actually have, have untapped potential? Because, you know, Malta, for example, are yet, to, are yet to win the adult contest. But this year, you know, they're sending a song that, that could be a real contender. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, we would love that. I mean, as Cyprus, Eleni was so close with uh, Fuego. Uh, and that was a brilliant song and a brilliant act as well. Uh, and Malta is another one who's been there, you know, tapping on the door uh, with Chiara and, and so on. So, uh, and they will get it. I mean, they, they will eventually, uh, one of them or both, uh, get it. And it would be such a joy to go to a small island and see how they would just deal with it. It would be different. I mean, they, they don't have the big arenas. They would have, uh, uh, I mean, God, could you believe if they did it outdoors and we were to rehearse all night long when it was dark, because <laughs> that's the only time you can see the light lighting. <laughs> it would be fun. It really would. So, I mean, but, but to answer the first part of your question, I mean, obviously, BBC UK is the country to get back to its old glory. I mean, God, I can't wait for that to happen. It would be fantastic. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you know, you, of course, have, have been lucky enough to be involved in many, many contests in various roles. You know, you've been involved in... in 13 16 17 18 19 I'm sure I've I've probably missed a few in there as well as well is is there a favorite contest that you've that you've been part of just from a, a kind of a feel or from a, a sense that the host city or the host nation really embraced what was happening well uh, on two different levels uh, I mean 16 obviously we got the opportunity to actually win so close to each other, the, the years, that we could use the experience from 13 and to avoid almost every mistake in 16. And it was such a brilliant, smooth ride. And we, we also, I mean, nailed, I, I think, lots of the things in the show that could be problematic when you do it for the first time. Uh, so I, 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 of course, that that's sort of one that sticks out. Then it's it's fantastic to be with creative people from other cultures. It was fantastic in Lisbon. It was fantastic in Tel Aviv. Wonderful people, uh, eager to, to to just you know pick your brain on on everything that you know and then transform it into what they would like to do. And, and it was amazing. And then I must say that also a disaster like Kiev in the aftermath is interesting because I was thrown into that one, you know, like was five weeks before it broadcast or four even. Did I'm, I'm interested with that. Did 
did the the Ukrainian broadcaster come to you or did the EBU actually make a decision and say someone like Krista is who we need to sort out the, the situation? No, it was it was uh, it was actually the Ukrainians themselves because they I think the government threw out the old producer and brought in a new executive producer, the one who had done it in 2005. And he called me when I, I was in Armenia, actually doing jury work. This is in December. And he said, could you stop on the way back you know, to Sweden? Stay, stop in, in, in Kiev. And I was like, yeah, okay. And, and he, he offered me to be the producer of the show. I said, I can't do that. It's too late because... I already committed to Melody Festival. I can do the contest, but I cannot do the full thing. And then he accepted that. And, and I was to start to go there the day after our final and then start the head of delegation meeting and then, you know, do, do the whole thing for the contest. And I came over and we, I did that for like the, the first month. And then all of a sudden he just kicked out the show producer and he said to me, I want you to do it. And I said, well, I've told you already in December. I, I, yeah, but you're here now. Yeah, but it's only four weeks to broadcast and, and we don't have anything. You know, it's like, but, but okay. So I just had to do it. So I called a, a colleague from Sweden and said, you have to come over and help me. And, and also sign one of the, uh, our choreographers that we use, use a lot. So I brought over two people and we managed to, to bring three shows on air. But it was, but as I said, it, it was a disaster and it was chaos. But it, in the end, it was interesting because, okay, don't ever panic about anything because it can always be worse. And in the end, it still becomes TV. And it, it wasn't even bad. It was it was quite okay, actually, uh, which took me a year to accept because I was like, this is horrible. I'll never look at this, never look at this. But then after I'd heard for a year, people saying, it was quite good. I was like, really? And in the end, I had to look at it. And it is quite good. I mean, I mean, was there was there a time when you know the 2017 contest almost well not didn't get to wear because of course it's always going to get to wear, but was there a every time? day? Yeah, every day. It was. It, I mean, even even during the first broadcast, it was like I think we we took down the last audio uh, audio tapes uh, into the system like quarter to nine. You know, it's like. Because it was that's how late everything was, and it was like okay, and we didn't even have a chance to double check it that it was okay. We just threw it in, and it was like okay, whatever. Live from Kiev, Ukraine, a warm welcome to the Eurovision Song Contest 2017 with your hosts Oleksandr Skitschko, Volodymyr Ostapchuk, and Timur Miroshnichenko. It's our honor and a great pleasure to welcome you all to the first semi-final of the Eurovision Song Contest here in Kyiv. Ласкаво просимо до серця України. And afterwards, I remember we sat in the Obi van after the first semi, and uh, Anders, my colleague, turned around and looked at me and said, "It worked, right? It it was TV. Yay! Yay!" <laughs> Uh, it was it was an experience. Uh, I I hope I never ever end up in that situation again. But I learned a lot from it. I want to ask you, of course, about the American Song Contest in a little while. But but now you're going on to do that. Does that mean that you are going to rule yourself out of of taking on any of these roles in sort of upcoming Eurovision contests? Or or if a broadcaster came to you and said, Krista, we'd love you to to help us out as you have worked on on other competitions, would you still do it? I, I would definitely still do it, uh, but it will be a question of timing. Uh, it all depends on, I mean, we are licensed owners and that, that means that we don't know how much a broadcaster over there will want our you know, daily uh, 
input. They might only want us as advisors and protectors of the format. So we don't really know what it will mean for us when we get there and when, when we start actually working with this uh, project. So it's very difficult to, for me to, to, to know how occupied I really will be in, in, in that, the daily work. So it might be possible to do other things as well. So time will tell. Uh, and and that my, my, my heart is still in this contest more than ever. So yes, of course, I, I would consider it and would look into my schedule to see if it fits in. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about Martin Osterdahl, of course, who who is somebody who you have quite clearly worked a lot with. You know, he worked on Melody Festivalen and, and worked on the on the Eurovisions in Sweden. He now has that role as the executive supervisor of, of the Eurovision Song Contest. Is he a, a good person to be in that role, given how much you know him and how he works? He's perfect. I mean, he's perfect for that role. Uh, he's, he's stringent, he's clever, he loves the competition, and he's also very... I mean, he, he, he is diplomatic, but he can also be firm. And he can stand strong in, in a firestorm. You know, he is like, no, he's good. He's, he's excellent uh, and, and really a good person for that because it is, there are a lot of wills, obviously. There's 40 some odd countries that have their own agenda their own view on this and it is non-political non-religious yes and it should stay that way and so and we have values that we have to protect in this show which is very very important and he knows exactly how to deal with that we we've already touched on it you, you mentioned it before the american song contest and and obviously what's to come for you now when do you think we're going to get some more news on on the American Song Contest? Because you mentioned last week, I think it's looking hopefully maybe like like it could go on air in in twenty twenty two, but things are yet mm -hmm. to be agreed. Mm -hmm. It's it's moving uh, closer and closer as we speak. I would say uh, we we have agreed on a lot of things, almost almost everything, and the last little details will be put into writing by Monday next week and when that's done it's more or less uh, it's gonna happen it will happen yes I'm, I'm, I'm very very sure now it's uh, I mean we have a pandemic there are things things happen that we don't can't foresee and so on but if things develop the way they are right now it should be on air next year yeah obviously our listeners are are long time fans of the eurovision song contest so how similar do you foresee the american song contest being in terms of the format or the the programming compared to what we have here um i would say it will be um uh, a mix of Melody Festival and, and Eurovision because the qualification period is probably something like five weeks to cover all the states. Uh, we, and that would be very similar to what we do here in Sweden. Then it goes into a Eurovision mode, which is two semifinals and a final. And those will be upscaled. Uh, looks wise so uh, pretty much what you can see from you know it, it it's a solid good show in the qualification like melody festival and but it will be like notched up <laughs> everything will be notched up when it comes to the semi-final and the final very very exciting and i heard actually you, you mentioned on on again that the the brilliant um live stream you did with the the melody festival on instagram last week you mentioned that there will be the chance of, of kind of fan packages being put together for you know for european fans to be able to go out to to the contest 
Yes, we're, we're looking into that and we are looking at something like, you know, four, maybe four destinations uh, that will take fans over to wherever we are uh, and to be able to plan a week, you know, vacation and to see this and hopefully other stuff that could be interesting to people visiting a, a tourist center in, in the state somewhere. You, you say somewhere as part of these discussions do we have a, a host venue for for 2022 well I mean it's it, it's also discussion uh, but uh, it could be Vegas that's been uh, a lot uh, talked about uh, could be could be Tampa you know or or Orlando I mean it could be what we're saying is that it in the beginning, when we would like to reach out to the European fans as well, you know, not only because it's fun, but also to, you know, teach the Americans what this is and how, how you behave in, in the Eurovision. This is what it's all about, you know, to, to actually bring the energy to, to, to over there. Uh, it would be great if it was in a place where you can actually do more than just uh, see this even if we tend to we feel it's enough but anyway it could be good to have other uh, things to do as well during a week vacation uh, so we'll see we're, we're looking at that but but in the end that will be a both practical and financial decision obviously they have so different um, in the states they have so many different uh, tax situations in different states so that is also one thing that is talked about, you know, where do one do such a big production to be able to benefit from tax deductions and, and so on. So it's, it's a new world. It's, it's something that we're not used to it. So we just have to, you know, be all open to, to, to accept um, the situation we, we're getting into. But that will sort itself out. Well, by the sounds of it, from what you said there, we, we don't have to wait long to find out a little bit more, uh, given, given no, that you've... No, given... It's, not, it's not that far away, no. Just, uh, just before we wrap up, I just wondered whether or not you can give us an insight into your crazy diary at the moment, because you mentioned, you know, you're, you're signing things to do with the American Song Contest at the same time as you're preparing Tusa to, to go to Rotterdam, you know, and somehow have had time to, to do this interview with me. So how are you managing to balance everything? Um, ooh, difficult. It is difficult, but but uh, but you know it's so much fun doing it. I mean, I it's the, the adrenaline keeps rushing through my system like every day, and it's all joyful. And it's it's like you know you 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 look at your calendar and you just tick off one thing at a time. I I, I only look at one day at a time. I really really don't look at tomorrow till. I go to bed at night and it's like, okay, let's see what happens tomorrow. Okay, that, 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 that. okay, I'll deal with that. So I, I can't really take in the full week at, on Monday because that, that, then it becomes a bit too much. But I do it day by day and, uh, and, and all of it is fun. And I, I'm very, I'm strictly following my, my gym routine as well. So I, 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 I keep that because that keeps me sane. Krista, just, just to finish, we, we ask everybody, and I'm fascinated with your answer to this one. Uh, normally, I imagine loads of people ask you, what's your favourite Eurovision song of all time? We don't ask that. We ask, what's your second favourite Eurovision song of all time? It is... L'Oiseau et l'Enfant, Marie Miriam, 1977. That... That was a huge love affair for me when it came. And I was not by it. And I learned it by heart. And I still know how to sing it by heart. And that's a good question because it, I could never, I mean, if, if had you asked the other one, I mean, it's, you know, there's no other than Euphoria. But the second one is the one that, that, is such a big love to me, you know. It's it's uh, that's the one. 
Krista Bjorkman, thank you so much for, for chatting. Thank you for being here. And, uh, and thank you for everything you've done for the Eurovision Song Contest as well. Thank you. This is the Euro Trip. Wow, oh wow, oh wow. Rob, what a conversation that was. An hour with Krista Bjorkman. I never thought I'd see the day. You explored absolutely everything there was with him. Yeah, I could not believe the the access that we got to, to Krista to start with, but then also just how willing he was to talk about so many things and also just how kind of open and insightful he was on so many different subjects and so willing to... I think the kids say spill the tea. Honestly, we got all sorts there. We did, didn't we? Honestly, there's there's so much in there that we knew already, but then he just sort of took it to the next level, didn't he? There was so much I could pick apart and, and look back on. It was it was great to find out how exactly he got started uh, at SVT in Melfest in the first place, where SVT just sort of looked at him and thought, well, he knows all the right people. He knows the artists who we could get on board. Let's get him on board anyway. And look at what he's done to Melfest over the last two decades. He's absolutely transformed it for the better. He has. And then there was the stuff about the UK Eurovision. You know, just imagine if Kristen Bjorkman had got involved. And, and just imagine, you know, who knows? There's still a chance he could get involved or, or the BBC could listen to this and think, you know what? He's got some important things to say, and maybe we can take a couple of those things on board. And uh, the anecdote that I particularly enjoyed, which just uh, gave us a a little look at Christopher Bjorkman's jet set lifestyle, I think the sentence was, yes, I was just in Armenia doing some jewellery work, and then I got a phone call, and they said, can you stop off in Kiev on the way back? So I thought, well, yes, yes I can. (laughs) What a life that man leads. He's been there, he's done it, he's, he's bought every single t-shirt possible, hasn't he? He's honestly, he's a man who has been around the block. And the next block he's about to go around is the American Song Contest. And I know a lot of fans are, are looking at this with a little bit of a, a controversial eye. I mean, that's not a phrase, but we'll roll with it. Some people are looking at it, you know, with that, uh, with that sort of... Scepticism is the word you're looking for. Scepticism is the word I am indeed looking for. But with Krista on board, I think we are in for a tremendous new contest over in the USA, aren't we? I think we are. Well, when Krista said in the interview there, we're going to sign the final thing on Monday, that is today, if you're listening on the day that this podcast comes out. So who knows, right at this very second that you're listening, Krista could be signing the deal that sees the American Song Contest on our screens in 2022. But there are also so many parts of that conversation that... James, you said to me before we start recording, they're probably all in a press release that's yet to come out. <laughs> they probably are. We found out so much, didn't we? I think he said that the entire show itself is going to be a cross between Melfest and the Eurovision Song Contest. There's going to be a five-week qualification period, two semi-finals and a final. There's going to be loads of shows over at the New American Song Contest, if and hopefully when it comes in 2022. I mean, with Krista on board, it's bound to be fantastic. I mean, Krista could make a, a TV show about toilet flushing and make an appointment to view television, couldn't he? I think he probably could. And I don't know about you, but uh, where Krista said there that it, it'll it probably be in, in Vegas or Orlando. I mean, that sounds like a trip that I'd be up for. If there's if there's somebody else that we need to interview that we, we haven't done yet, let us know because we'd love to bring it to you. Uh, you can get in touch with us at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or email us hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Let us know what you thought about Rob's interview. Let us know about anything else to do with the podcast. Or give us a hint. Give us an idea about who you want to hear from as well. And we'll do our best to make it happen. Yeah, we thought all of these people, when we set out to do this podcast, would be unreachable. We thought there's no chance they'll come on this podcast. Well, they've all done it. So thank you to them for giving their time. And we really do hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, As James said, we'll be back on Wednesday, of course, with the Euro trip as we really kickstart our build-up to Rotterdam. Uh, But for now, uh, it's time to say goodbye. So from me, it's goodbye. And from me, James, it's goodbye. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.